0: It's awesome just to see your faces. I've missed you, um, most of you, and uh, (laughs) it really is one of those things, though, where where, um, uh, this is my church family, not just the place that I work and so that, that has been some of the most difficult part about being gone, is I just miss uh, my my church family. And so to be able to return back for that is uh, just really precious today. Um, it's nice to be out of the house. Um, I, I don't know if you know this, but when you go on sabbatical, you don't get to do anything. They just lock you up in a little cubicle, and then when the elders say it's time, then they let you out and preach monkey boy. And then here you come and that's it. So some of you have no clue uh, who I am and that's fine. You're wondering who is this guy and why is he wearing thrift store sweaters? And that's, that's for you to discover. Um, so I I don't know. I'm just really glad to, to be here. Um, just to update you a little bit. I, um, um, I'm now the women's pastor. I'm just kidding. Um, I, I really like uh, just been doing some. Actually, I've done absolutely nothing for three months. Um, you've been asking, "What have you been doing?" And nothing—that's what I've been doing. Um, I, I, um, I, I'm on like a month of no dessert, no sugar or sweetener in my coffee or sweet drinks. Um, it's miserable. <laughs> It is the worst and I go into the coffee shops and the baristas know that I'm not doing sugar and they're so sad for me. I walk in and they literally, their expression is like my dog just got ran over or something and I walk in and they're they're like, oh it's Ron, how are you even surviving And they don't even believe in God or whatever, but they're like, let's pray for you. And they circle up in sackcloth and ashes and they're crying with me and it's bad. One girl said, you know what, afterward, after you're done, it's gonna be so much, you'll feel so much better. I said, I know because I'll be eating sugar again and I will feel so much better after that. It really is. It's weird because now I'm drinking coffee with uh, almond milk. I know. It takes me forever to milk the almonds. And so, (laughs) I don't know. I've been on sabbaticals. I had nothing else to do. I'm milking almonds. It was time for me to come back. That's the sign when the elders say, oh, you're milking almonds? It's time to come back. So I'm back. But the whole journey, I I have to be completely honest. It's just been such a roller coaster. It, It is the most generous gift I've ever been given Um, in the break between um, teaching and pastoring these last couple of months is the longest break that I've had in 22 years. And so it's been this real time of of refreshment. And um, there's times where it's been more of a reconstruction, a rebuilding of me Mind, body, soul, and spirit uh, by the Lord. And uh, not always pleasant, but so necessary and such a gift to me. I'm deeply thankful for it. The tough part was probably the first month and a half, honestly, was one of those seasons. And I don't know if you've ever had one of these, but it was one of those seasons where I just felt like there was absolute radio silence between me and God. Uh, when I was praying, um, when, when I would open God's Word, it was really just out of habit, and uh, I've developed a habit that Pastor John talked about last week that develops a perspective on what God is about, and I was deeply thankful for. It. But it was a whole long season where I was just doing it out of habit, and, and there's, that's actually still a good thing. But I had hit this point where I'm just going, okay, I'm I'm praying and i 'm wondering is this, is this thing on? God can you hear me i 'm opening god 's word, and nothing is quite sinking in there 's nothing being sparked. I felt numb and disconnected, and what in the world is is up and so uh, a couple of weeks ago, when um, J- Pastor John and I started to talk about um, retransitioning in, I, I asked, well you know what what will I be diving into? What will the teaching series be? And he said, well, we're doing one on, on prayer. And I said, that's, that's honestly perfect. Because that communion, that conversation that we need to continue to have with God multiple times a day, the scriptures say that we are called to pray without ceasing. Uh, that, that, that isn't often our pattern, is it? And yet there's something incredibly powerful about prayer. It's conversation, it's it's dialogue, but prayer is ultimately an opening of your heart to receive all that God has for you. All his promises, all his word, all his mercy, all his grace, all his encouragement, all his strength. When we posture ourselves, uh, position ourselves before our God in prayer, and we bow the knee literally or figuratively before God, it is to receive, God, I need all that you've got for me. And as you saturate me with truth and the the power of your spirit, then I, I need that to manifest, to show up in my life somehow. And so this prayer thing is so much more than than just the chit-chat, just the conversation. And I love that we're looking at the Lord's Prayer because Jesus gave us a model prayer. Jesus gave us a a great way to pray. He gave it to his disciples. He's given it to us. And Pastor John kicked it off last week and walked us through the Lord's Prayer. And if you missed it last week, you must go back and watch it. Because he, he clued us into a lot of really important pieces to the Lord's Prayer. So go, so go watch it. But we're going to look at it again this week. And what I would encourage you to do is just to open up uh, your, your Bible. And uh, we're going to zoom way out and get a macro picture. We know what the Lord's Prayer is. But, but is there maybe one heartbeat that Jesus wanted us to capture as his people, as his kids... When we pray. What does he want us to get and walk away with and remember and, and continue to pray knowing that this is what is going on when we, we pray? Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 6 or pull out your phone and open up um, your, your Bible app. This is what he says, how we opened our service today. Jesus said that this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What, what I want to I call your attention to is something that the Lord did. When he gave us this model prayer, um, he, he gave it to us in a really interesting way. And it may even help you uh, commit it to memory. Uh, it may help you kind of understand what he's up to when he gives us this prayer in the first place. But there's, there's a first half and a second half to this prayer. And what the Lord did was, is he, he gave three elements in the first half and three elements in the second half. And they relate The first half of the prayer draws our attention to the eternal God, the one that we're talking to when we pray. And the second half of the prayer talks about our everyday needs. The first half of the prayer is basically saying, God, you are awesome. And the second half of the prayer is saying, and I am here Uh, you, You are phenomenal, you are powerful, you are God. I am not. I'm here on earth. But Jesus is saying, I want you to catch that. And there's these three elements about the eternal nature of God. And there's these three elements about our everyday need. And guess what? They go together. This is a prayer where the eternal and the everyday intersect. That's what I love about prayer in general. When you go to God in prayer, it's where the eternal and the everyday, you and me, we're here. We get to tap into, talk to, reach out to, interact with the eternal God. And so he says, our father in heaven, hallowed or treasured or valued Be your name. And as Pastor John mentioned last week, your name, it's not just his actual name. But but treasured, valued, hallowed, uh, be your your name, your character, your being, all of your qualities and characteristics. Your kingdom come. Knowing that, that Jesus, our God, is uh, got a kingdom that He has established. He's established a kingdom, and He's continuing to establish a kingdom. And there's parts of the kingdom that we have not yet realized or seen. They're still yet to come. But every king, every kingdom has a king, and and, and God is the king of our kingdom, and we're following Him. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your your sovereign, perfect will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Every right now in heaven, the angels are perfectly obeying everything that God says. There's perfect obedience, there's perfect worship, it's perfection there. And his will is being carried out perfectly in heaven. And and, and this is beginning to unpack this this perfect will of this perfect God. And and so these are crucial elements. We're talking to an eternal God with an eternal kingdom who has an eternal sovereign will. And we're saying that should intersect with today. And when we pray, it acknowledges that. It reminds us of that. And Jesus says then, the second half of the prayer, give us today our daily bread. You and I have got daily needs. You need God to provide for you daily, tangible, physical stuff, right? You need to eat. You need to drink. You need to have shelter. You need to have clothes. There's a lot of daily needs, daily bread sorts of of moments. And then he says, forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. There's relational needs that we have between us and God and then us and us, right? We we have relational needs and and Jesus acknowledges that. And, And then he says, and then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And you don't have to get nitpicky about it. That last phrase is saying the same thing, one negatively and one positively. God, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's basically the same thing. And and that's our, our spiritual needs that we have. And so, summary, the first half is all reminding us of this eternal God with these thoughts. His eternal name, his eternal kingdom, and his eternal will. Do you remember who you are talking to when you pray? If you pray, Jesus starts it out not just with our Father in heaven but also one who has a name that is above all names that should be treasured above all else and has a kingdom that's established and expanding and has a will for your life and all of creation. Jesus, God, he's not just our buddy. He's not just our homie. He has called us friend, which is mind-blowing and humbling. But I think you can tell a a lot about uh, what perspective somebody has about God, about how they pray. Uh, If they don't pray, that probably tells you something. Um, If they they, they pray and it's just, uh, hey man, what's up? Hope you're doing good. I need a new job, I need a new wife, I need a new husband, I need a new kid, I need a new, I need a new, new, and I think I'm done. Thanks, man. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, home slice. (laughs) Amen. Okay. Probably got a bit of a issue. You, You you may be erring so far on the side that Jesus, God, is your buddy, your friend, and missing the fact that he is eternally God. He is God Almighty, and you are not. But then also the same thing of just coming before God Almighty, if you've really got something uh, miraculous that you need to have happen. And we could be equally as timid, just, "Uh, you probably don't have time for this, or I know you don't care, or last time I prayed, you didn't answer me the way that I wanted you to, or the way I thought, or the timely manner that I was expecting. (laughs) So, you know, you know what's going on health-wise, or this or that. And we back off that way. But we're talking to God Almighty. We're talking to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's not a guy. He's not a man. He's not Cosmic Santa. He is the one and only God who listens when we pray, who does something when we pray, who loves to have his kids crawl up on his lap and just talk. But the more that we get to know who he is, it heightens the sense of friendship that we can have, but it also heightens the sense of I'm not him. He is entirely different. I should be reverent and in awe and humbled when I come to him. It's an eternal God. But the phrasing in that first half of that prayer, uh, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. The verbs in the original language there are actually imperatives, which means that they are um, not just attributes of God. It means Jesus is giving me and you permission as we pray to give God a soft command. In other words, when we're praying that first half, we are saying, God, Father, cause your name to be treasured. God, cause your kingdom to expand. God, cause your will to be done in me, in my family, in my neighborhood, in my church, Across this nation, God, make it happen and use me. God, cause your eternal name, kingdom, and will to shape today. Which brings it right to today. It brings it right to our everyday. And that's the second half of the prayer. Our everyday needs. And I love right there, give us our daily bread, forgive us, and deliver us. The three elements of the second half. And that is about our everyday. I love that, that, that Jesus knows that you and I have everyday needs. We don't have to pretend like we don't. We, we've got daily needs. But the question is, when you have a need, how do you go about having that need met? Do you just do it on your own self-reliance? Do you include God in the meeting of your needs regardless of what they are? Do you talk to him about your needs or is the default such a quick, I have a physical need and so I'm going to go meet it myself. I don't need to talk to you about that, God. Uh, I've got a relational need, but God, I don't need to have a conversation with you about it. I'll just go handle it. Or I've got a spiritual need. And as weird as it sounds, God, I don't need you. I can settle for religion instead of a relationship with you, which in essence is just taking your rightness before God into your own hands. And that's a dead end. But he says, you've got everyday needs. So talk to me about it. Your daily bread, physical needs. Forgiveness between you and God and you and others, relational needs. And you've got some spiritual needs too when it comes to sin, temptation, and the devil. And so talk to him about it. Does the eternal God inform any of those huge needs that you have? I I hope so. Because we're up a creek if not. And this beautiful intersection is what's so key. Because these everyday needs we pray for, we invite God into our needs. And when we do that, it points people back to the eternal God, his name, his kingdom, and his will. Uh, think of it this way. If, if, you, um, if you die physically, you cease to be an active part of bringing heaven to earth, right? Right? If you die physically, you cease to be an active part of being able to be used by God to bring heaven to earth, right? So your physical needs are important. So we should be praying, give us today our daily bread. God, meet my physical needs. It doesn't need to be extravagant. It doesn't need to be crazy. It may not meet what, what, what I would have chosen but would you meet my physical needs so that I can bring heaven to earth today in the context of my family, so that I can bring heaven to earth today in the context of my workplace, so that I can be used by you to bring how it operates in heaven, uh, give people a taste here and now, right where I am. If you, relationally speaking, if relationally You have non-existent or miserable relationships with God or with other people. You cease to be an active part in bringing heaven to earth if you got no relationship with God. If you got nightmare relationships with other people, then you cease to be an active part of giving people a taste of heaven, a taste of the eternal God because you're not interacting with anybody. And if you are, it's miserable. Or you don't have an interaction with God, so you're not even thinking about how heaven is coming to earth or why it even matters or why anybody would want it or need it. Spiritually speaking, if, if you're spiritually dead because of constant failure to sin and temptation and the plans of the devil, then you cease to be an active part of bringing heaven to earth. You're bringing darkness Death, but not light and life. And so this is such a, such a huge thing to begin to, to wrestle through. I understand that it can be difficult because to pray often is a humbling experience, right? In fact, to pray is to humble yourself before God. And maybe that's why a lot of us don't do it. Maybe it's not because of uh, busyness or time constraints. Maybe it's really not because of disbelief. Maybe it's because of just pride and self-reliance kicking in. Because to be in the presence of God is to learn humility. And when I go to him in prayer, it's saying, you're awesome, eternal God, and I'm just here and I've got needs and I can get myself down the road only so far but I need you to provide for me the reality is as we've heard that you made it through the night last night it's because God provided you to be able to get through last night he provided that he's providing the the breath that we can take right now he's providing for a relationship with him Jesus is the reason that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence in prayer. Because of who he is, what he came to do, dying on the cross, raising from the dead. I can receive grace, receive forgiveness myself. He's offering that. And now because of Jesus, I can be called a child of his. Because of Jesus, I, I have the ability to call The God of the universe, my father, my daddy. But it's tough. Prideful people will have a difficult time praying. Prideful people are often looking down on someone or something. And as long as you're looking down on someone or something, you cannot see that which is above you. C.S. Lewis said that. Where this all kind of intersects is this. The Lord's Prayer is a constant invitation to experience some of heaven here and now. Prayer to receive all God's had for you, let it well up within you and and show up in the way that you talk and that you act and think. Prayer, the Lord's Prayer specifically, is an invitation to to be used by God wherever you are to allow people a taste of how things operate in heaven right here and now. Heaven is operating perfectly right now. And when God shows up, And our obedience to him by his grace and by the power of his spirit allows us to respond correctly. And we we get to bring a little taste of heaven to our marriage. When's the last time someone said, in your, your spouse, said, you know what? Being married to you is like a little bit of heaven. Having you as a dad or a mom A grandfather, a grandmother, a brother, a sister, a friend is a little bit of what heaven must be like. And I get to sense that right here and right now. That's what God's called his people to be, his disciples to be. That's why we need to be praying this. That's why we're praying it three times a day, 6 p.m., 9 a.m., 1 p.m., if not more, because we're saying we want heaven to intersect with here and now. We want people to roll into heights, roll into our neighborhoods, roll into our families, roll into our relationships, roll into our city and go, this is the closest thing to heaven. Because whatever you're shooting for, uh, you better start praying for. And God will step up. When I was on this break, um, I didn't really know what to do. Uh, that, that first month and a half especially was just um, a lot of deconstructing me so that the Lord could rebuild me. And um, I started to read the book of Ephesians uh, every day For probably the first 40 or 50 days of my break, I read it through its entirety every single day. Wake up in the morning, read the whole book of Ephesians, and then close it and go, yep, I didn't get anything out of that. And the second day, same thing. Yeah, nothing. It wasn't until probably the second, almost third week, before like a chisel... God's word just began to hammer through and then it turned into more like a lotion and it was just like saturated. Oh, this is so good. And especially Ephesians chapter three and one passage in particular was my favorite. I started to just uh, really love it and it was so key for the Lord knitting me back together and healing me up and it, it was really, really great. I went alone down to Phoenix for a few days, and uh, it was going to be over the course of a weekend. And we got to the, uh, getting to the weekend, and I, I, I'm going, oh, man, tomorrow's Sunday. I should probably go to church somewhere. And um, now I know what you all go through. <laughs> you know, because it's, it's hard, right? The longer you don't go, then the easier it is to not come back. I understand that. And then looking for a new church is the worst. I am so much more sympathetic to all of you that at some point, maybe even today, had to take that bold, courageous step and go, I'm actually going to go someplace. And then you go and sometimes the, the, the preaching and the music and, oh, that's so special. But the people are weird. And you're like, there's no way I'm going back there. Or you go, oh my goodness, the people were fantastic, but that music and the teaching was, I don't know about that. And, and so it's a difficult one. So I'm scrolling down and trying to pick which one to go to and, and I'm laboring over it and I don't want to go. I just, I just didn't. I woke up the next morning, I randomly picked one, and I start to drive there. The whole drive, I'm not wanting to be there. God and I are dialoguing about that, and I said, I've been reading the Word. I've went online a couple times to other churches. I've been watching John and Pastor Mike's talks, and, okay, we're good, I'm good. And he said, you're not good. You need to sit under the teaching. You need to be around the people of God. You need to be worshiping. Brothers and sisters in Christ, humble yourself, get in there, and go. And I went, okay. And so I show up, I walk in, and... Um, Feel totally awkward, especially going to church alone. Extra difficult, and you—you you watch out for anybody that's coming in here alone. We need to change the culture and dynamic of those coming in alone, because it's—it's it's tough. It's—it's it's miserable. Stop before you leave and make sure you come here alone. Okay, I just want to talk to you. Can I pray for you before you go? Cool. Make a touch point. Make a coffee appointment, and then go do it and fix it. Okay, done. Um, so I went in, and I walk in, and I go in the lobby. It's crammed full of people and they all are super happy and in love with each other and I'm just walking in and look all creepy and weird and then (laughs) I I walked right through nobody said a word to me which actually was kind of nice and so I came in I sat down in a dark area in the back and the music started and it was very very good and the, the worshipful experience just very very sweet And then they came out and they led kind of some prayer time. And that was really, really precious. And uh, I thought, okay, Lord, now, you know, here comes the teaching part. I'm really hoping this is something good, you know. The pastor says, okay, yeah, we're not in a series this week. That'll start next week. Um, We're just going to go through a passage that's meant a lot to me. So open your Bible to Ephesians chapter (laughs) 3. And I honestly, I almost didn't, I didn't necessarily need from that moment on the rest of what he preached. It was a phenomenal sermon, but what I needed, what God did in that moment for me was just say, I see you. I hear you. I know the numb feeling and the distant feeling and the silence and, but I'm still the same eternal God that got you all the way down here and out of hundreds of churches and you didn't even wanna be here and you sit down and the favorite thing you've been reading is where I'm gonna sit you in this space today just to say, I'm here. I have got what you need. And maybe with that in mind, we just close our time this morning with a prayer. If you would receive maybe just me praying over you with the words that Paul used in Ephesians chapter three, because the passage that had got my heart so much and that this pastor in Phoenix taught through was uh, a handful of verses that is actually a prayer. It was Paul making a prayer, understanding who he was talking to, had something to offer for our everyday stuff, And so if you wouldn't mind, I would love to pray what Paul prayed, that it might bless you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And I pray that you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. Glory be to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.